Did it start? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe, your safe place to talk about anything strange, paranormal, fringe, and UFO, UAP, if you're like that. <laughs> but yes, today we are going to be talking about extraterrestrial by Avi Loeb. Mine's very shiny, so I'm trying to get a good angle. Um, first off, thank you to anybody in the live chat and listening now or later. And thank you to anybody listening on Anomalous Podcast Network. We really appreciate you. Make sure you like and follow everybody here and support them and their amazing channels. Their links are in the description. All right, guys. So Avi Loeb's Extraterrestrial. What did you guys think about it? Let's just do like general impressions. And we can start with Vinny since he's right here. So... <laughs> Good to see you all, as always. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to show mine because I got this different cover on mine, which I was quite impressed with. Um, I liked the book a lot. It basically, for me, you know, I've listened to so many of Avi's interviews and spoken <laughs> with him myself, and it just expands on everything we've heard him talk about in the past, which is great because I didn't want another wedge of a book that I just had to like spend a month absorbing a lot so this was a bit of a nice break from all that and yeah I really enjoyed it it was great and I recommend it um so yeah really good yeah so here's my version nice paperback um I was intrigued to find uh, to see how Avi would fill a, a 200 page book with what was really relatively scant information on uh, Oumuamua Remember that apostrophe at the start, though. Um, I mean, part of it reads like a detective novel. It uh, pieces together part of the puzzle. He even states at one point, you know, science is like a detective novel. Um, but the best science books often are, and this was one of them. It was, it was a real, it was a real page turner. All right, Sean, did you end up um, reading the book? What is that supposed to mean? It just came out. Uh, actually, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, I listened to it. Oh, <laughs> since Same we're thing. showing our copies, um, yeah, I I thought it was uh, you know kind of to agree with with Vinny and Graham on their points. But Vinny, I've also talked to him a few times. I've listened to him a bunch, um, and you know a lot of the points that he makes in those interviews he made in these books. Except you know he. He went a step further details-wise and what Graham said as far as the detective side of it. He even mentioned Sherlock Holmes a couple times. Uh, you know, so he's spot on there. Um, and but uh, overall, it it's it's like uh, it's like a, it's a study. It's it's a book on his his study of how how they found the object, uh, why they think it is. What, what they think it is, and also, you know, how no one else still thinks, you know, it could be of extraterrestrial origin. Um, it, and it goes into extreme detail as, like, the size of how skinny and long it is, you know, and then it tells a little bit more about Avi and, like, uh, uh, I think it's Breakshot is what it is, another initiative that um, he's involved with where someone told him he's got to get something to... Um, what was it? Planet uh, Zeta Reticuli. <laughs> uh, but basically before the guy in the guy's lifetime and he's already 56 and no conventional way we'll, we'll get it, you know, to where he needs to get it. So like, uh, I, I really appreciate it. You learn a lot more about him and his, you know, how he's, uh, his first passion was really philosophy and you can really tell how he brings that philosophy to his work as a scientist um, so I, I really enjoyed it. it. Is it my 
cup of tea as far as a book, probably not. Um, I, I don't tend, you know, the interviews for me are enough. I, I, I probably didn't need to go too farther into um, everything else that he talked about, but I still enjoyed reading it. I have to ask quickly, did he narrate the audiobook? No. Uh, yeah, he, did, he did an impression of Ross Coulthard. I found re when reading People the book, I was, me. I was reading it in Avi's voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People told me it was an asteroid, and I said, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, this is Russ Coulthard. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I... Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, I already was. But if if you're not very familiar with uh, Mr. Avi Loeb, this book will leave you very appreciative of his work and what he does and the kind of gung ho attitude he has towards what he studies and how he looks at it. And um, I, I really appreciate that because we could all use that breath of fresh air in the, the science uh, world. So I'm very thankful that he's doing that. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. It reminded me of uh, reading A Brief History of Time in college uh, and just kind of how mainstream it, that book tried to be to appeal to a, a wider audience. Um, you know, it, was, it, it I feel like he kind of kept coming around the same, you know, sort of uh, roundabout over and over, uh, which was a little bit tough to get through at times. But overall, highly recommend it, I think, as a general like enticement to do different, better science. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, I, I agree. It's a good book. And I think that part of, for me, I think the way that I appreciate it best is that he also kind of weaves in his own story into this. And that's helpful in terms of it kind of presenting itself as an origin story, um, not just of, of discovery within science, but for he himself as kind of reaching the eureka conclusion of intelligent life beyond Earth, you know? I think it's interesting that, you know, there's kind of a short afterward. I don't even know if it made it into every uh, edition of the book where he kind of belatedly says, well, you know, maybe there's something to UAP and that's what the Galileo project is about, but it's really bad data, so we don't know. And you know, after this whole 200 pages of being like Oumuamua, probably a light sail, absolutely fantastic, which is true and amazing, then giving like, you know, 1% of additional book to, to the idea of all the rest of the case history out there. Um, I, that would be one negative from, from, from my completely biased perspective, that that, would have been, that that was a bit of short shrift. You know what I mean? That that could have been addressed earlier in the book in a in a in in a more respectful way. But I also understand that he's kind of. It seems from the interviews that I've seen with him and things like that that he's and with who he's brought on board at the Galileo Project that he's kind of massively grown probably in his perspective on on what has been transpiring in our air and undersea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which is why it's probably an afterword. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I thought the same thing. Because this one, I got, I got used, but it still had it at the end. And I was like, oh, um, because I hadn't seen that before. Um, and I started reading the book a while ago. And then, or not, I was reading it on Kindle. And then I never finished it. So I'm wondering if it was there. When did, Do you know when they added that? Or when he added that? It's so a, it's, I've, I've got it in when we interviewed him. He sent me a copy. 
Um, and this was just before it was released, um, and it was in there, so it was in there fairly early. Okay, I wasn't sure if the uh, if they added it or if it was just in there. Interesting. So Dan, you did you end up being able you you didn't read it, but you know so I mean, I'm kind of a late invite here. Uh, well, I'm not I just, a late invite, but you I have just, an open invite like, at all times. <laughs> May I come? And he was like, Yeah, come along. Um, I've read a lot of Andy's. Uh, sorry, uh, Avi's Andy. Andy doesn't write science papers. <laughs> uh, Avi's science papers and and kind of follow a lot of interviews. So I'm in the same position as a few people here, where you know I've heard the theories. Um, it's interesting that. Uh, it's compared to a brief history of time, I thought, because uh, that, that that really had, you know, it's storytelling and, and this is what you want. And there's a reason that this book was so high up in the in the New York Times kind of list. It brings new people to the subject and it helps them digest a lot of kind of lofty data in, in a really kind of nice way. Uh, so, yeah, it, it sounds like it was good, though. It was good. Um, I like imagery um, because... I like to see people, I like to read about people's thought process. So I appreciated that part of the book, how he's a very good writer. He can paint a really good picture with words and um, just how he's talking about where he's from and how his mom was, you know, asking him these philosophical questions at a young age and just how his thought process is because he does talk about these things in interviews, Muamua and the data that he um, found that was like, you know, um, would make him think that Muamua was <laughs> more than just an anomalous rock. But um, I really enjoyed hearing him like paint that picture of almost like every he explained how he came up with every reasoning, um, if that makes any sense to me. And I liked that. And I was also reading it to my son. So um, he's obviously not a YouTube person because <laughs> he's five. But I, I guess that doesn't make it sound any better. I'm reading a five year old uh, extraterrestrial. But yeah, he likes it. He's into it, guys. But so What's I think a light tail, mama? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was asking about uh, black holes. And my husband was talking about it. And then he's like, so you just pop out on the other side. And my husband's like, same thing. I'm like, actually. And he's like, really? I'm like, well, you're talking to him about black holes. So, um, but it, yeah. It's amazing that uh, a five-year-old has more of a grasp of something like black holes than Galileo did. Yeah, that's nuts. Because <laughs> we, they just, the kids have so much knowledge is naturally now. They're growing up in a world where there are people are talking about this topic everywhere. Yeah. So no. that being said, like, how do you think... Um, this book is going to be perceived in the future, I guess, like for future generations. I think it depends I, on this. Oh, go on, Sean. Oh, oh, I would just say that, that I mean, the, the one thing I wish I would have mentioned too in my rundown, but I'll just, this is a good time to put it, is um, he's uh, ahead of the, uh, the curve. And it, a lot of how this book will be perceived in the future is how the future of humanity unfolds in and of itself. Um, and my point there is, you know, the great filter he talks about in that book, you know, how we become so, um, you know, technologically advanced to the point of we could either use it for the good of mankind or completely destroy ourselves, which other civilizations might have done already, you know. Um, and I think him, you know, throwing that in there is a really important point, And he's kind of leaving up you know, uh, the future of mankind and our, our uh, you know, race to find other intelligence out there up to us. And he's leaving it as an open question mark, but he's giving us a couple of choices, you know. Yeah. So I think in the, in the future, depending on what we do and what choice we make is how that book will be, you know, really uh, perceived, I guess you could say. I think I agree yeah, with I that because, sorry, go on, V. <laughs> 
So I, I was just quickly going to say that I think it also depends on how the stigma changes as we move forward, because we've seen it yeah. start to slide in the media and things like that. But in the scientific community, if it continues to, to mellow out, then we might see more new, younger yeah. scientists coming in and not being worried about it. But, but we might see older scientists who have you know steered really clear of it for fear of ridicule. They might start touching upon it. So it can be a pioneer. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I you can't I help to have... think. Sorry, go on, Graham. I just looked as though um, you know you were saying about how how the future unfolds. To me, it looked like it was a case of um, you know our capacity to dream up novel solutions, like the star chips that he mentioned. Um, it, it exceeds our capacity to realize them because we're, we're doing other things with uh, you know with um, with the kind of tools and the knowledge and the money that we have to be able to realize things, and, and that maybe dictates how our future pans out and we may never get to the point where we actually have you know, all these wonderful kind of avenues to pursue um so everything he puts in the book will hit will sort of future generations see it that way they may not get that far um in terms of like how groundbreaking it's going to be in the future i, I try to compare it to carl sagan's cosmos book which I remember quite fondly in the TV series, which was quite popular. Um, it was about in the 70s, I believe, or the late 70s. And that had uh, you know, astronomy, philosophy, and history all thrown and in, in bundled together. Now, I don't necessarily think this book's going to be as, you know, anywhere near that because he, you know, uh, Avi Loeb's not as famous and he hasn't got as wide a range. But uh, small scale, it, it certainly had the, the breadth of, um, of Cosmos. But time will tell whether or not it becomes one of those amazing groundbreaking books. Before I forget, that's that's really important that you mentioned uh, Carl Sagan because I think it's important to remember that Avi Loeb isn't the first astronomer or, or scientist to to really believe that there's mm -hmm. other ET life out there in the universe. You know, uh, Carl Sagan did. He just didn't think they were visiting here. You know, same with Tyson and and a lot of other people. Even in the first Blue Book documents, they talk about how it's uh, you know the chances of ET life being out there is is very high. You know, it's just that it's, is it visiting here that, that nobody uh, believes? And I, I don't know that um, even Avi Lowe believes that right now. I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, that's more of a, right? a self-esteem issue, right? Like, but I do think he could be a pioneer in the fact that he's dedicating so much time and resources to trying to find out. I think so too. And if anything, this is the, if everything that he says ends up being wrong which he's, you know, it's a great thought experiment because what other scientist that has worked on phenomenal discoveries that are absolutely downplayed and underrated, um, you know, he's breaking out of the mold. So it's going to give other people like almost like that permission to do that as well. So we have to appreciate, I think that, I don't know that future generations are going to like know where this freedom came from, but I think that he's one of those fighting for that freedom to think outside of what they said. And I also liked how he, covered drake equation um drake's equation because it was like you do see people using it kind of like all over the place and it isn't always the correct way to use it but i'm nobody's gonna listen to me because i'm just like me but but when he says it in there it's like see i knew there was something to it you know um so i just think that the fact that he's so bold to think out of the box is going to be that's really going to help the future generation of scientists um being cultivated and grown even some are maybe not even born yet so I just think that he's doing great, like groundwork as far as that goes. We um we have a little crossover as well already. Uh, you guys are aware of the NASA announcement this week, and the way they were speaking, 
reminded me of how Abby Lowe. <laughs> I was literally about. thinking that. Yes, you yes. Yeah, right. They were and then so he took it right on my brain to the possibilities. But I, there's a crossover because they're studying UAP. But the argument is that Umumua was potentially a UAP. So are they going to look at this? And already we have a crossover with hard science here. So it's coming into the mainstream. And it, it's really interesting that that's happening. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, Dan, I think it's interesting that, you know, just in the initial description of Oumuamua, um, there's the the artist depictions and things like that. But he says very plainly in the text that, you know, it's either a super elongated cigar shape or it's a big flat um, uh, pancake. And I was like, okay, well, okay, buddy, what else? What else are those two shapes? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Does he speak they're, with they're... Ra about Rendezvous with Rama in there much? Um, not, not, no, no, yeah, that's that, that literally can... kind of a story about us going out to the stars, having spotted something. And it's a, it's a giant alien spaceship. That's a cigar shape oh, and, wow. you know, yeah. a lot of similarities. And this is a book. Oh, yeah, it'll clock. be a, I think they're making a movie as well. What, um, it, what is series, the book called? So Rendezvous with Rama. Yeah. Okay. I'm Arthur always Clark... good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Priscilla, it's Arthur C. Clarke. He wrote it several, uh, quite a few decades ago. And there's a couple of sequels, oh, okay. I believe, Dan, as well, isn't there? Yeah, there's yeah, children, right. children of Rama and a couple of other things. There might be another one as well. Just just yeah. to further on Dan's point here and kind of going back to your question, Priscilla, like uh, that's just I thought that was that's a perfect example of NASA's like if you heard their press conference, like the way they were talking was exactly how Avi Loeb talks about, you know, um, having an open mind and just getting the data and it is what it is and we're going to just look for it openly and honestly like it it totally made me think that Avi Loeb is probably going to jump on this uh, NASA thing with with his project Galileo most likely but we'll see it would make sense yeah. I would actually I would actually that would actually almost nothing would piss me off more than that happening to be perfectly Why? <laughs> yeah yeah because I mean never a straight answer right I mean come on let's not <laughs> let's not act like let's not act like NASA hasn't been no like, you're right yeah you're but right. yeah but you're you're yeah but you're assuming <laughs> that you're assuming that these people are talking and doing this project to have that information maybe right. there's other people at NASA right. that have that stuff and know that well, yeah and maybe uh, they yeah. don't know and that's yeah, the government no, thing think, isn't it well yeah <laughs> I was just I just think I was talking about this with a few people the other day and it's just like I I really hope that and cross my fingers that more of these initiatives stay separate rather than okay. all coalescing into the one bin because then bureaucratically you know a hand yeah. can come down exactly. like like a freaking sure. Monty Python international initiatives there right. need to be academic initiatives they need to be spread out you know what right. I mean so anyway, I feel kind of overprotective over people like that that are doing these grassroots things um including Galileo because it's like what if you partner with the government I mean who's to say that you find something awesome and they're like uh national security you know what i mean and they take it or hide it because it seems some, like something that would be national security related or compromise national security or just something that i don't know you just i i kind of hope that he's able to do it without the help of you know, we would all love to see nasa help because they have all these instruments and money that, that he in his hands would probably do so much good with but i just don't i just think it needs to stay separate too yeah. You always want to hope that the page turns, you know, that like the way things are 
or have been doesn't mean that's the way things have to be or are going to be in the future. You know, you always want to be optimistic that maybe this is the time NASA and DOD or whoever the hell or the government to studying it. This is the time they're actually going to be, you know, truthful. And like Steve Bassett says, this is all bullocks just so they can get to the point to say, hey, here it is, you know. I, I like Robert's suggestion there that letting kind of ignorant individuals take charge of these projects. So there's right, plausible exactly. deniability as they roll this out, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Patsies. That's something I said with Danny Selby yesterday. Yeah. Where they're, they're putting people in place that don't really necessarily know the truth and they're putting them in to look in a direction where the information is basically, hey, why don't you check this out over here with these tools? See what you find, huh? Mm. Oh, my God, we found something crazy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think as well, I've been looking at it as well. It's like with the government, we've got a, a lot of young politicians there now. and We've got That's a lot true. of young people in NASA spread across multiple sites, tens of thousands of employees. There's got to be this new uh, breed of people right. who, are, who are our age that mm. want this information out who That's have true. probably been fascinated by science fiction as kids like we all were so you know th I'm, I'm optimistic That's about the hope, that kind right? of thing i don't think it's blind optimism i think it's just like yeah hope you know there's got to so, be somebody right that's going to stand up yeah. if something shady was about to happen like no like yeah. <laughs> you know it's I've, I've we can't before about everyone yeah, yeah I've, I've mentioned before about gatekeepers and you know when they pass on the kind of the baton to the next generation does the same kind of mindset, does it continue? Or do the next people who come along the track, are they have a, like a slightly different look at things? And will it get to the point where, you know, people just go, look, sorry, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to be much more open with people. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thrust of the book, right? He's trying to make a case for redoing the way we approach science. He's, he's really taking a jab at establishment science and, and politics and how when science used to be very sort of uh, anti-establishment used to kind of introduce some really, you know, avant-garde concepts and, 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 you know, the church, which is probably the dominant, you know, kind of voice of the time had to wrestle with those new findings. Well, science isn't in that place anymore. It is the establishment science is the man for lack of a better term. And that institutional inertia is now really just, it's super slow. It's, it's slow to change. You have all these people in tenured positions who, who are doing things a specific way. So I think he's saying, look, we got to we got to at least make room in science for us to do some really outlandish, chase some crazy kinds of ideas, entertain some crazy ideas. Let's normalize that pursuit. We can still do a lot of the, the stuff that is going to get us the, the traditional sources of funding and, and tenured positions. But we need to make it OK to ask really weird, bold questions and pursue wherever those questions may go. Um, this book reminded me of another book that's not related to astronomy or UFOs or anything that I recommend. It's um, it's called Imagine by Jonah Lair. And it's got some controversy because Jonah, I think, had some controversial, you know, quotes or something. But the gist of the book is this that, that I found really interesting is that societies really develop genius based off of what they prioritize. And so he looks at a couple of times in history where uh, we, were, we were either prioritizing scientists or we were prioritizing uh, literature or whatnot and we, or art. And we developed like really amazing pieces of work. Right now, a lot of our priorities are in entertainment or in athletics. And you see incredible athletes, incredible entertainment. All of that is great. But, but if what would happen if we diverted some of that energy 
enthusiasm and dollars into scientific pursuit. And I think we would, the, the genius is there all the time. This is the core argument. It's just sitting there. We just have to really nurture it, water it and watch it grow. That's yeah, a really a, good point. That, and and yeah. they spoke about this on the call with Nasher again. Uh, he, he was talking about the power of science and how over the past few years, we've seen that happen. Uh, you, you know, when science wants to apply itself properly to something, it can knock that hurdle down and within a matter of months. We had we went from no COVID vaccine to a COVID vaccine. Um, and it just goes to show what it can achieve. I, I, I like to think what we're kind of getting at here is it's the battle between science and philosophy. You know, we, we had to start somewhere by separating the qualitative and the quantitative. And we finally kind of have gotten to a place where we have a decent grasp on the quantitative. But we're getting to those quantum discussions now where all the questions have become more philosophical. You know, does time exist? Do we exist? Do we assimilate all these kind of things? And even when I spoke to uh, Dr. Michelle Forney about uh, decoding whale language, that conversation became a conversation about philosophy. So, so I think you're right, Nathan, and I think we're to a point now in human history where we're starting to address those bigger questions because we've kind of knocked down those hurdles. And we are kind of just like forgetting the elephant in the room, right? Like that uh, UFOs are exist, they're here, we've had experiences, up-in-your-face experiences, and there's no way that people don't know that this thing exists. You'd study the files in Blue Book, come on, man, like let's let's get real with this like we're going through all these motions when we already know something is reality it's like but somebody just needs to like fess up it's you know it, it we're playing this weird game of you know trying to be positive about new initiatives of people doing things with science which is great versus come on we already know this is real like it's so true dude, yeah i think that every time i'm reading i'm like oh all know? these ca these cases just in you know reading graham's books and the timothy good book and i'm just like what this all there's no way so many people are confused about what they're seeing like like come on no, we're, we're past that now. <laughs> yeah and then no, your documents we're, we're too that. like you come up with these document after document and the, you find like the coolest ones and post them and put them on your website and it's like how can you see all of this and all these people yeah. seeing things? We're past still... it, though. Yeah. The, people aren't, the people who matter, the general public at large and the people who make the decisions, they're not right. past it. Right, right. And until they, that, they, need to, they need to read these files and get on board and then yeah. start well, trying to think of what kind of initiatives they want to do. <laughs> you know, I, like... I don't think it's an accident that this has happened in the age of communication. You know, years and years and years ago when all this was happening, that uh, Roswell is a good example. You know, the, the news went around the world real quick. Um, and over the years, it's been chipped away at to kind of pull back the story. But imagine Roswell happened now. You know, we, we would have pictures on social media <laughs> and things mean, like that. Yeah. They would yeah. be solving it. And now that we can connect with each other and have these conversations about our experiences, we're starting to find that reality isn't quite what we thought it was. Yeah, but even but, then, I, I would just a counterpoint there, which I think you're looking at the... Uh, the same thing I was talking about earlier, this inertia issue. Sure. Avi Loeb's case on Umamua is incredibly compelling. I mean, it, he, and I'm not an astronomer, so maybe I'm just an idiot here. But I mean, the way that he breaks it down and lo looks at this particular object and, and its characteristics, I think it's pretty obvious. It's not just a, a, a routine interstellar object. You know, that, that case to me was very well made. Yet he's in the minority in his community of of astronomers looking at that object and coming to a conclusion so you can have excellent evidence i think we have excellent evidence even though we don't have a lot for Umumu. we have enough to make a very compelling case that it's not normal 
yet we still have that institutional community that's like, well, I, I can't go there. You know, it just even though that that's really cool, Avi, you know, uh, my my school is not going to fund my research if I, you know, sort of entertain that that right. idea. And that's the same thing we're, we're going to encounter with the public at large. Right. You could show them a crash landing. That's really cool. Uh, and that's really compelling. But. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I can say those words out loud because I'm looking around around, you know, around me and looking at society and waiting for others who I see as the ones who have to go first. They're the ones that have to cross the line when they do it. Then I, I feel comfortable also going forward. Yeah, a, just following on from, sorry, I just wanted to read. I pulled out a quote that literally mirrors what Nathan just said. Oh. And that's what really stood out. It says, some of the resistance to the search for extraterrestrial intelligence boils down to conservatism, which many yeah. scientists adopt in order to minimize the number of mistakes they make during their careers. This is the path of least resistance and it works. Scientists who preserve their images in this way receive more honors, more awards and more funding. Sadly, yes. this also increases the force of their echo effect for the funding establishes ever bigger research groups that parrot the same ideas. Yeah, I remember reading that in there too and I'm like he's right. Really like, stood it just, out. It's it's really sad that they're getting money just for like basically playing small and he even talked about how some of his own students were like do I need to beef this up? Sometimes the simplest answer is the right one and he always goes back to this, you know, what Nathan was saying kind of reminds me of the example that Avi gives over and over again is if you can't get somebody to look through the telescope, like they don't even want to look is also like a huge deal like you won't yeah. even look i mean i'm like, reminded we always have to bring it back to jacques Vallée and book group right i mean like <laughs> and and we and we all remember the story about him at the paris observatory when he was working as an astronomer right and and they found that they found that evidence of uaps and what did they do they destroyed it immediately and that was his origin story as opposed to avi Loeb's, right I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, to that no, you're right bit. though. You're right. It's an it's happening, and that these are just the people writing about it. So how many times is this happening, like at NASA or somewhere else, where they're just like, nope, I don't know what it is. It's better just to shut it up and destroy it than to try and figure it out. You have to wonder yeah, how much other people, other scientists, have actually looked at the information that he come up with to justify what he believes in, and you know how deeply they've dug into it, and what their counter-arguments are to actually say, no, it's just something prosaic like a comet, because he goes into quite you know, great detail um, for those of us who you know, do understand a little bit about you know, astronomy uh, and about kind of, you know, sort of solar system objects and things like that, that you know, about the outgassing and, um, and the way it moves and all the rest of it, and the way it reflects sunlight, that it's something out of the ordinary. What that is, obviously, again, is still probably open to conjecture, but it's not something just run the mill, like the other extraterrestrial object Borisov that he mentioned as well, 21 mm. Borisov, the one that came in and was something fairly mundane. Um, so you just, I would love to hear what the counter argument is in detail rather than just a blanket. No, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop yeah. wasting our time, which I believe was a thrust of the, the woman on uh, the, the, the lady scientist on that uh, Zoom call that they all did, didn't they? Because she berated yeah. the tech for uh, I think wasting it was time. Yeah, it was That's for, right, yes. yeah. for, for wasting their time. So, mm -hmm. but, yeah. A lot of the mainstream scientists he mentions, they assign zero probability to the existence mm -hmm. of artificial objects before even looking at anything. They're like, there's yeah. zero probability, so we're not going to look. I think Which is just I've ridiculous. Even, I've even did the the percentages on the chances of that object being a, a typical comet. I think 
Denis or, or Astro. Well, there was no some, commentary. It was tales, something, so it was, it was something no like one out of a billion because of the shape it was, the way it moved, yeah. um, you know, and all that stuff. So, so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, everybody or, or scientists and everybody can come up with, uh, um, uh, you know, a synopsis or, or what do you think this is? A hypothesis. But when the hypothesis leads you to extraterrestrial, then you can't do it. And it's like, oh, but we don't know. We don't know. But like aren't the, you the, supposed the to be curious counter, as a scientist? You the know, counter arguments are, yeah, you're right, Avi. It it has these things, but but you know that doesn't mean it's an extraterrestrial yeah. craft. It just means we don't know. You know, which they're right. But what Avi is putting, you know, forth is is a hypothesis, which is, is what you're supposed to do. And his strongest hypothesis is an extraterrestrial craft, and because that's what it is, forget it. You can't do it, you know, which is just uh, and that's kind of the issue that we have with Blue Book reports and other UFO reports. It's like this thing turns on a dime. It goes 17,000 miles per hour, you know, and such and such. But the hypothesis leads you to believe it could be an extraterrestrial craft. Then forget it. We can't count it. You know, the Robertson panel did that to a team when Dewey Fournette <laughs> went in there and said, I looked at these cases I had scratched off every prosaic option, leaving me only with extraterrestrial left as an option. And they all said, oh, no, no. But that just means that those cases weren't rigorously studied enough. So we just moved on, you know, like it, it makes me think of how how we set up, you, you know, uh, the census systems. Now we've been told that they're feeding in kind of parameters for UAP to kind of open them up a bit so they can capture that data. But before now, that means that, you know, if if the primary parameters are set to track a missile, it's going to discard every other bit of data that doesn't look like a missile. I feel like humans are the same. We're almost like sensor systems. And now we're starting to get to the point where some of us are expanding our kind of scope to go, oh, these anomalies keep popping up. Maybe they're not anomalies. <laughs> yeah, that's right, a good point. Right. When are we going to be able to, uh, you know, not have to call them anonymous or anomalies, you know, anymore? You know, when, when are we going to give it a name? Because it is something. It's not an unidentified aerial phenomena anymore. It's such and such, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, that that's a great point. The, the Ab Abby, filter. They they've since found another um, interstellar object that I think it crashed into Earth in 2015 right. in the Indian Ocean. And Abby's currently kind of fundraising to to essentially go there and and you know look for this object. That <laughs> He's going to be a sailor. I could just see, yeah. could just see Abby uh, scuba diving. <laughs> Abby and James Cameron, <laughs> masters of the yeah. <laughs> Totally. I wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he'd do it. <laughs> I just love his curiosity. He's, he talks about um, us still kind of like keeping our egos in check. Like we're not the coolest kids in the universe, you know, <laughs> or we're not that, you know, we're special, but we're not special. When, um, I'll, and no, I he's just, he doesn't say we're special. He no. just goes with the we're not special. Exactly. He pretty much <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah. We think we're special. Like, just getting your ego in check, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like that and how he says you have to stay curious like a child. And he definitely um, – he, he has that like inner child alive. I see it in his interview. Like when he gets that smirk on his face, like he is just, he's so curious. And like, even like I have two kids running around all day when they're outside, like they're just like in like these bushes looking at bugs. And I'm just like, man, I wish I was, you know, um, 
like how did he maintain that and no being so intelligent or is that where he gets his intelligence from is from being curious it makes me think of uh, Richard Feynman. There's a series of lectures online, or not lectures, it's more Richard Feynman just sat in a chair talking. And he's just laying out the foundations of science and how the universe works through frequency. But he's so excited for the whole time that you can't help but just listen and pick stuff up. And I <laughs> wish more scientists were like that because it's fascinating. Yeah, I love that. Like it's, I, I, you know, when, when people are like that, uh, I want it to be contagious and to pick up that enthusiasm for my, you know, in the stuff I do and everything, because, you know, when you're part of it and experiencing it and someone is, is like that, it, it just makes you feel so good and that much more interested in what they're talking about. There were three other things that are, sorry, go on, Vin. Oh, sorry, Jay. Sorry. Go on. Oh, it's okay. You want to go first? Okay. I'll just, I have three other things I would like to just point out about what I felt were important from the book, but carry on if you. Oh, I'll just, uh, yeah, just on Sean's before going to that, you mentioned the experiences and I, and I just thought, you know, that's that is one elephant in the room, right? Before moving on, is that, you know, over, you know, at least for the people just in this stream yard have had our own anomalous experiences, right? And and looking at, you know, the front cover of this book, you know, the first sign of intelligent life beyond Earth, right? And we've been kind of adjusting that through reports and everything like that. But, you know, for anybody that's actually had experiences like this, you know, can you imagine being the one to say like this has never happened before. I don't think Betty and Barney Hill were, were under any impression that they were the first ever to be in a situation like that, nor Travis Walton, nor anybody in that kind of situation. That's an extraordinary amount of hubris, an extraordinary amount of hubris, regardless of anything. You know what I mean? Regardless of, of the reports, regardless of anything. It's, it's a ridiculous thing to say. And like, I, you know, I, think it's a fan, I think it's fantastic that the guy wrote this book. I think it's fantastic that he's that he's doing the good work of the Galileo project, but I think this is going to be an like an incredibly interesting time capsule when it comes down to it, because already it only came out last fall, and we're already like, oh yeah, old news, like this, like look how much things have come in the last nine months, right? Which is amazing, you know, it's amazing that we ha that we're in such a, an accelerated period of time that this is considered almost like like such a time capsule already nine months later but still i hope that that you know i want i would love to stay in the good graces of dr avilo as well and hopefully <laughs> over the course of the next few months and with the work that he's doing with people like lou elizondo that he's brought onto the galileo project and jacques Vallée and others that he privately at least already recognizes that there is hubris in that kind of a statement I just like the fact that somebody else is criticizing the book rather than me. It's usually me doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's three other things that I'd just like to point out, and you might want to sort of comment on these. I mean, the first one was the astroarchaeology that he mentioned, looking for evidence in, for technical signatures you know, elsewhere in the solar system and, of course, you know, further out. Um, and one of the things that struck me was the mention about the moon. And of course, the moon is a pristine object. It's pretty much the same as it was, you know, the formation of, of, of the body itself, apart from the craters. And the, the fact that if you searched hard enough around the surface of the moon, you might find something that actually crashed into it, much like uh, Dan mentions about the Indian Ocean object that, you know, they might be trying to retrieve. So that, that was quite interesting as well, that there's that that people don't necessarily dwell upon that, you know, that you can look for things and you might find evidence of other civilizations that way, current or maybe past. Um, the other thing was slightly related is that you know, we're pumping out 
transmission since the 1920s the 1930s in terms of tv radio uh, broadcasts um that are going to eventually get picked up by some other civilization you know should they exist and just because every a lot of people think aliens are all love and light doesn't mean, necessarily mean that's the case and you've only got to remember like cortez and the conquistadores about you know, how a, a kind of another uh, a much more technological advanced civilization can wipe out indigenous ones when when they turn up on their doorstep um you know could we attract kind of unwelcome attention from um some species it might be benign attention um attention as far as they're concerned but it could be quite destructive to us so that was uh, the second thing and just the last thing sorry i'm taking up some time here um there's a complacent attitude from nasa i know they've already said in the, in the past they've said about we need to check on you know um extinction level event kind of potential asteroids coming towards earth and they have made noises and put some money together towards it as a test sky guard or space guard i can't remember the actual name of the program but remember this thing when it was going out of the solar system when they finally um detected it on pan stars you know what does that say that's about you know, our what about. does that say about our preparedness that's a, a don't look up moment isn't it well, unless unless something's reflecting the sun, we won't see it. That's a fact. That's true. So yeah. we need to put things Very in the true. sky that can see from different angles than us. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a situation like the expanse. No spoilers. Very <laughs> uh, true. Spoiler alert! This is how it ends. Perfect. I haven't. I, quick! I haven't seen it. Should I watch it or yes. not? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. pretty good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I heard Text the first season do, was good, but, okay. and I'm kind of jealous that you're going to get to watch it and watch like three seasons in a row so because <laughs> we had to wait <laughs> okay i watched close counters of the third kind again last night it's good nice with the mountain on with it. the expanse i i recommend because there's just a lot in it so the first time i watched it through i was like oh it's not really grabbing me but then mm. i kind of i lost it went back and started again and started picking up on the details and the stories i'd mm. missed and all the different characters i'd say pretty much the main kind of guy just hook on to hook on to him and follow him yeah. through and you you'll love it you know My but grim's right right it's it grim's right though it's it's to the point where our ignorance is going to wind up being the, the downfall of us you know because we're not open to things that could be coming from interstellar space or somewhere else that could potentially have a bad effect on us. That could be the thing that does us in. How many times in your life has it been one thing that you forgot, you know, whether it's in a job that you're doing or an interview you're setting up or, you know, a project that you're working on. And it's the one thing that you forgot that screwed it all up, you know? Yeah. I know like in chess, for instance, I could be playing the best game of my life and not see one freaking thing and lose the whole game right there mm. after yeah. looking at that damn board for an hour, you know, That's like crazy. it's important, you know, and the fact that this thing, a muamua, first of all, uh, you know, it should be a song, a muamua <laughs> comes all the way in slingshot ar around, uh, you know, our, our galaxy. And we barely even knew it was there. You know? That's nuts. Imagine um, what we haven't caught too with now NASA talking about expanding the parameters of what they're looking for. Like how many things have just like flown by that we weren't, like you said, like the instruments weren't looking for it. So it was just, it's just gone. And <laughs> we would never know. And we um, have to and come up with a different way to see things other than waiting for sun to reflect off it. Well, yeah. not only yeah. that, you know, like these, <laughs> a lot of these things we see, we might realize that the heat signatures are different, you know? Um, so that's another way. 
um, that they already do to look at objects if it, is it emitting this sort of like wavelength or heat and that lets us know what it's made out of or if it's you know um like the tic tac or in FLIR videos it measures the different things so i think that we can't rely on our lenses all the time even even if it's a very expensive lens that we're putting out in space because it might not be measuring um the right thing and and we're talking lenses here as well there, there's a phenomenon that we didn't even know existed and people were laughed out of the room for saying it existed and now it's a common fact that gravitational waves are real and yeah we we've just taken a picture of you know the black hole at the center of the galaxy the sagittarius a that wasn't real you know not that long ago it was just a theory you know we didn't have a picture of it so yet again we're here looking at what might be you know a phenomena well I say might, I'm just going to say it, that is a phenomena. Um, and we're ignoring it just because it's something new. It's insanity. What, what we were talking about there with the kind of, you know, attracting unwanted attention made me think of a three-body problem where, where it's called dark forest theory, where ideally, you know, when you're walking through a forest, you want to make as little noise as possible. Otherwise, you're going to attract the attention of predators. And, and yeah, we just, we have to be aware that, like John said, we might be putting out some signals or something like that that we don't even realize flag us up. The nuclear uh, power keeps attracting uh, these objects. Is nuclear fission something that, you know, it happens in our stars, but when you see it on a planet, that tells you that there's a certain advanced civilization there maybe. So that could be a signature for attracting things. Well, the nuclear fission, I mean, that's pulled straight out of the CIA document I just shared where they said uh, nuclear fission could be, you know, have something to do with this. And they also stated how it seems like these things are electromagnetic or electrostatic, which is just always pisses me off to think that <laughs> we're this far. And we have documents from the 50s where OSI, Office of Scientific Freaking Intelligence of the CIA, is plainly stating these things, there's several phenomena. They're electromagnetic, electrostatic. Nuclear fission could have something to do with it. They put out a debunking education program. Mm -hmm. You know, but meanwhile, they take files, they confiscate files, and they keep their eye on it and study it in their physics, you know, in an electronic department, you know. And here we are pretending none of that how much have even we happened, in, you know, yeah. like how much have we posted on Twitter gonna, recently, Sean, between the two of us? About it's ridiculous. Yes. I'm going to change nukes and UFOs. And then <laughs> right. in, in the UAV here, it's oh, it's UFO. Yeah. What's that? I don't know. I've, you know, all you have here, here's the link to National Archives. All right. Yeah. You just go there, hit text results, type in Oak Ridge, 14 results pop up. Go to work. Yeah, Hanford, to work. Oak Ridge. Let me know yeah. what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, you guys have been posting a lot lately, and it's just again, I'm always just, how is there still a question? You know, and how are we <laughs> going to get people to look into what you're looking to, or what you guys are posting, and other people posting things that are documents because you can see it there. Um, there's your, yeah. there's, uh, you know, obviously nothing's proof nowadays, but it's a pretty good indicator that there's something going on. Oh, how many times does something have to happen for it to be proof? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, come on. That's the it, whole thing. The whole, the whole definition of the truth United lately, States right? <laughs> the whole definition of truth is now blurring because just because you can't hold it and all that. I mean, right. like you can't hold the flame. Like I was reading about the, I always think about the flames um, that were in the documents and I, in Graham's latest book. And it was like, 
That is crazy to think about, you know, like just conceptualizing yeah. that. So I get some people like can't wrap their head around it, but there's definitely some more familiar shapes in there, you know, that you should question. But it's it's a lot of it's Hollywood, right? They think it's out of some sci-fi movie. It's or, just you know? like bringing it back to the book, right? Avi Loeb and the, the fancy rock that fell down that the cavemen <laughs> are looking at. You know, that, that that's that's what, that J.K. What we're like, book? you know, like everybody's looking at the iPhone, but they're all too stupid to know what it is. And they're like, that's a freaking rock, man. You know, that's a rock. Like, and someone's like, no, you make a call. You can call anybody, you know, do whatever you want to do you know it's like that that's how we freaking are man that's how we are with these reports sometimes i feel like or or whatever graham and i put out they're like look at this look at it yeah people are like that's a freaking balloon well just like no just like y'all mentioned earlier these people are not up to speed like you guys know more i think jay has to leave jay do you have to leave Hey, and yeah. I had you recommend a book, but next month we're just going to talk about the books that we read already. So. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we'll just so, we'll just we'll roll that into next time. Yeah, I really did pop one in the uh, the chat though. Yeah, I look I look forward to seeing you all very soon. Uh, uh, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation, and I know it's not over yet, but uh, I got to run. I'll see you guys very very Good soon. Thank you, man. Take care. Thanks for coming. Bye. Oh. Oh, I'm in the row now. Yay. Oh, you're not on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> you're moving the up periphery. in the world. Welcome to row two. Uh, and yeah, well, yeah, just to throw it out there, you are always, if you're in, you know, if you're in the UAP uh, book club messaging, then you are always welcome. Um, I, oh, thank you. I, I just thought you knew that you're always welcome. So I didn't say anything. <laughs> I just, you know, assume that, you know, but you, um, you are always welcome. So oh, thank you. <laughs> it's on the record. <laughs> it's been recorded. It's so, something I just want to mention. We we keep we talk about. Um, He's going to get sued. Oh. <laughs> UAP UAP. Um, Everybody bust out their UAP gear. We we often talk about kind of where we are as a civilization and the knowledge that we have and stuff like that. And it's just worth remembering. That no two groups of people on this planet are at the same level of development. We we think of where we are, and that's the Western world. There are still people on Earth that don't know where an iPhone is. There's probably yeah, no yeah. people on Earth that don't know yeah. what a call is. So you'd have to explain well, that. Sure. Yeah. And and that kind of goes through all of the the facets of society. You know, even to the point where you know we're looking up and having this conversation about something strange that came through the solar system. And there are some people that don't even know that you can use a telescope, for example. Right. Um, yeah. it, it takes a while for us all to get on the same page. And and I'm not sure that we ever will, even in terms of making use no. of this technology. Hmm. Some people might decide to use it for good. Other people will decide to use it for bad. Yeah, and it's just part, a case yeah. of which one's going to kind of hit that, you know, that mass adoption first, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You had to think of it as, you know, Think of everybody just joining the conversation as explaining it. I mean, you don't want to talk to them like, well, I talk to my kids like they're people, so I'm not, I don't baby talk a lot, but almost like I remember when my, my son first discovered, when I first showed him the, uh, my monocular and he was just blown away that he could see a squirrel in the tree. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so think about people just joining the conversation and coming around to this. Cause a lot of people, this isn't even on their radar as far as thought pattern. They've never thought about it, you know? Who's that? Can you guys that you? see this? This is yeah. a real picture from uh, somebody 
seeing a oh, television TV. screen for the first time and his mind's being blown and now here we are <laughs> you know not that long later seeing yeah, him true, on a television true. screen might be blown and it's just a really good example of someone yeah. seeing something completely outside yes. of their paradigm and yeah now i mean it's if normal within like 50 years yeah if you exactly. just talk talk to you know your grandpa or whoever is <laughs> 70 80 years old even and ask them what they think about today's day and age and uh, what technology is like with smartphones and, and streaming and the internet. Ask them, you know, what the, if they imagined this when they were, you know, our age or, or teenagers. And, uh, well, I'll be a spoiler here. They would definitely have not guessed <laughs> that this would happen, <laughs> you know. And, and it's very important to, to keep that in mind as we progress because the rate of uh, expansion of technology uh, is not stopping. It's it's continuing to go very fast. So um, what is going to be that moment for us, you know, in 20, 30 years, 40 years? What are we going to be experiencing and dealing with on a day to day basis that we could have never imagined? You know, because yeah. it, it, it's going to be something. You know, so, someone's going to be watching this going, oh, my God, those guys didn't even know that you could have a one one replication of reality <laughs> in a simulation. <laughs> yeah. So naive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have these like perceptual <laughs> layers, right? Like I was just talking about that. Like I was thinking, that, well, if you ask somebody who's 80, you know what they think about the world. They don't even realize that the the way the world is operating right now operates at a certain le level. They have no most of them have no any connectivity whatsoever to what, what's happening, how information is traveling around. They, they're still living in a, in a paradigm that is a few decades behind, right? And that, that's important to remind us because we all basically operate on certain perceptual levels as we age. You know, we, and some of us maybe get the good fortune of kind of advancing out of those, but some of us stay in a certain perceptual level forever. Now, the nice thing about, I think, th this book is that it just like the object, which is kind of oblong and, and, and thin, it's like a seed and even has a chapter, I think, called Seeds. You know, it, it's implanting this idea into the minds of those who read it, his fellow scientists and, and the average person. And just sure. like ideas, they grow, you know, so all, that it's hard to shake an idea. You know, one, once you transmit that and once you understand it, if you can't delete it usually from your memory you know it stays with you so that, that's something that i think that we part of what we're trying to do in all of our different ways is plant seeds so that the more seed planting we, we do when certain things become more normalized people go oh you know i think i have heard that before and and that becomes uh, an idea that sure. will grow Absolutely. That's and that's point. why I read these books to my kids. I know people think it's kind of weird. Well, I don't think you oh, guys. Yeah, it's do, weird. The hell's wrong with you? I mean, they get to read their little like hippity, like what is it like the bunny books? You know, like I let them pick their own book, but then I'm like, okay, you guys read your book. I want to read mine. Probably you didn't name your kid a muamua. Well, you know, I'm we're trying. Kidding, I'm, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're trying for a girl, and I think it's a beautiful girl name. Just kidding. I'm not trying. But anyways, but you know, I want them to. It's I want that to be in their memory. I think that they need to know. Um, and a lot of these have a lot of science in them, so it's basically a STEM book. It's fine. They'll be weird, uh, right? <laughs> if there are any children's authors watching please get in touch with me i really want to help make a book now to kind of get i mean yeah. out there. So marvin the marsh marvin the marsh just write it dan you're smart enough write your own book maybe 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 Graham you, go, you guys just gave me the seed thank you <laughs> which is going to often nathan's point like things like marvin the martian you know simple cartoon 
but that has been an idea, you know, yeah. and and things like that, Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. Did you know that there is actually uh, something called Star Trek that Blue Book used the year the show came out? Star Trek? No. Weird. That's that's just a little off-topic <laughs> thing. But they called it Star Trek, and they used it in, you know, looking for um, UFOs and stuff or meteorites, whatever they want to call it. Mm. But... Um, uh, what was I going to say? Nathan, Nathan's right way was with the idea. I mean, the, the hard part is like um, you're maybe not Avi, but but other people who know the, the reality of uh, UAPs, UFOs, whatever, and the existence of another intelligent life form, whatever that may be. But still having to swallow your pride, right, and put on a face and try to put out ideas for people like they could exist. They might be real. Look at this report. I think that means it's something non-prosaic. Yep. <laughs> but in the background, you're like, oh, my God, people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of what the stars part, are doing, right? That's the role. Yep. You know? <laughs> right. That's the role we have to play, though, you know, and, and yeah. what we're doing personally. Or right, somebody I, makes I, a snarky remark like, oh, did you hear? Like when my mom called me after the hearings, like a week later, after the, you know, the, the Senate hearings, she was just like... <laughs> They and of course it's always they. They they're talking yeah. about UFO. Did you hear they're talking about UFOs now? <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, I love that. Hey. In, in and the then UK, it was we like, oh, the, really, uh, mom? The, yeah, the, I think that I saw that. <laughs> we have the National Office of Statistics in the UK, so whenever someone in the UK says they, I just assume that's who they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I, I, just to come back to something Avi says in the book a lot, and that's the word humility, right? So, you know, I completely understand this uh, frustration, you know, particularly when you think you have a greater awareness of what's happening. And you're having, like you said, Sean, you're having to kind of change the message. Uh, at the same time, we all have to recognize whatever we think it is, is also wrong. I mean, I think Avi may, makes that, that point as pretty clear. It's like, no matter what level of understanding we arrive at, there we're, we're going to be wrong. If we advance another 10 years or 100 years and look back, we'll look back and see all the ways that we had it wrong. So it, it really requires, I think, a little bit of... Uh, but you're, like, you're misunderstanding me a little bit. I well, don't, no, I don't you, your point as... is that there, there's a teacher who has the knowledge, right? And they're dumbing it down. Even yeah, but they, not what it is, just that it exists and it's real. Got it, know? got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, th I thank you for clarifying then. So it's, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's it, but even even still, right? So what it is 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 a is a pretty declaratory statement, right? And we actually don't really know what it is, you know. So I think it, that the point still stands, right? Whatever it is that we're doing, we have to recognize that the things that we think are so convincingly true are probably not accurate on, on some level. So we have to be, we have to still be willing to make room for a new way of thinking about it when that way presents itself. I just how have to point out here that we're talking about these seeds and the ideas and how they express themselves. And I'm going to mention that name again, Jack Vallée and his control system hypothesis that we're being given these seeds to kind of coax us down a certain path. And, yeah. and so far that path seems to be technological. And, and it's real interesting yeah. to consider that. Yeah, there's there's a little pushback on that, too, when you go to certain messages that people receive that are mm. very anti-tech and uh, be careful with this stuff. Yeah. But Nathan, uh, yeah. Cool. Just, yeah, just, just to clear my point. Yeah, all I mean is like knowing that they're not all just balloons. As simple as that. Not, not right. as you know. There's freaking aliens from Zeta Reticuli here, you <laughs> idiots. I mean this, and then having to tell people things are going ninety degree turns and you know whatever miles an hour. Not, not that drastic. Just like that. Um, you know, there's 
something that I believe I, I, I wouldn't be able to to prove it with data, but is uh, you know of some intelligence that is not prosaic that that exists, and that's as far as I can go with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously we're talking about things we don't necessarily understand, and we can't know what's behind it all. And you've just what you were saying there, Nathan, um, and it's trying to get out across to people without sort of being sounding completely crazy but trying to get people on board but what about the people who firmly believe they know what's going on mm, i was on a worldwide ufo panel last night that hurts everything people, and one of them was quite convinced he you know had some of the idea some of the the information and he was being said people have told me this that and the other um and you know fair enough but how do you get <laughs> past that when people are dead set in terms of yeah. i know what's happening you know how do you reconcile that with most people like us saying, well, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, why don't you have a meeting with the president? Please, please just inform him so we can get this show on the road. <laughs> you know, it's a, oh, well, it's you won't take a meeting with me. I why mean, the frick not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I struggle with that all the time because there's like the whole like the science brain part of me that is like, this is like crazy. This is defying known physics. This is this is what we know. And that's not really a lot. You know, this is what we have documents for. They have this, uh, there's that science part of me. But then there's like the spiritual side of me, the witchy side of me that just I want, um, you know, I want to believe what some people are getting as messages. But there's still I'm still I don't know. I want them to be here to help us. I want them to be because that's one of the messages people give out. Right. But there's also like the part of me that's like into the mystical side of it. And wanting to understand how that interplays with consciousness, knowing that consciousness is, pro you know, how once we figure out how consciousness is in it, it might help us understand both sides. And then you can meet in the middle. But it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing because you want to be there for people, no matter what their experience is, without downplaying, you know, what they believe and what they know. But at the same time, um, it doesn't help the cause in a lot of cases because yeah. we have people like downright lying and then they get caught lying when they had this huge following and it's uh then it just we just backstep because of that mm -hmm. yeah it, it's kind of like Good. assessing the damage too right so what's the scope of the damage is it uh is it allowing them to operate in the world they find themselves and it's not really hurting anyone but them uh, you know, but but it's not even hurting them. They are able to operate in a healthy cough way. And jolly, cough and jolly, whatever it may be. Exactly, there are a lot of good examples. But if if the, if the scope of the damage is a lot larger, then I think you know you, you almost have some degree of responsibility to uh, limit the scope, li limit the fallout there. Sure. And the best way to do that is sort of just I think to introduce other bits of information. Well, you know, understand that your theory is this, or you you believe it to be this. How do you fit that into? this particular set of information sure. and, and you ha you you force them to wrestle with uh, conflicting bits of data and, and see how they either can fit that into their their system or if their system can evolve to you know to, to insert to accept new new information and well they then they shut you down with like well on. you're working with them you know then it turns into uh -huh. then you because have i've had that happen to me <laughs> i asked i said hey what article did you where did you get this article because somebody had posted something on instagram because I wanted to see the article. If it's real, cool. I want to see it. I'm not trying to like, oh, I got you. You know what I mean? I'm not that person. I want to read doing that. what you read. But then they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, well, obviously you're falling for the narrative. And yeah. <laughs> and then somebody, I, was, I got, I got uh, my first uh, um, um, DM, somebody saying, 
wait, are, I think that you're working for the government. I'm like, oh. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> You've made, made it. For it. Sure. <laughs> made it, approval. it It makes me think of the, the Jubilee videos that went around. We had that yeah. angle that showed the object going over. And then people kept finding all these other angles. And one of them was from a cockpit looking at the smoke. And I hated saying it, but you could see like this little, it was like a little white glint. The, it didn't disappear into the smoke. It just reappeared over and over and over as the as the camera moved. And I hate to say it, but it was a lens flare. And I saw so many people when I pointed that out and gave my reasoning, all said to me, oh, well, you're working for them. And I'm like, guys, I'm someone that feels that I've had an experience a lot of times in my life that that yeah. would be extreme to some people in the community. Absolutely. I'm not the guy that just point a lens flare Trust and me. say nonsense, you know? It's like, weird. If I'm working for the government, tell them <laughs> that they're not paying me enough because I'm freaking broke, man. <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's a great point. And Vinny. how fast something can take off on the internet, right. like that Jubilee video. Yeah. I saw the one thing and I was like, now this is interesting. You know, and by the time I went back to look at it, like the whole world thought it was a UFO, basically. You know? <laughs> right. Vinny, and... you've been quiet for a minute here. I know you're thinking oh. of something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a lot of what I was saying is just a lot of what these guys are saying, yeah. especially, um, I, know I think as well, you're now. talking about your experiences. I mean, I've been having it for a long time now about being accused of being in this camp, being in this cult, right. being even Ooh, like you're said, in a cult. That'd be fun. Apparently, some people. But you want to join? So. You, you get a hat. Yeah, well, yeah. If it's the how, do, how do I join this cult? Um, do you have to just follow everything I do. This is it. This is the initiation that we've been doing for the last hour. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, we we've gone off topic from Avi. I wasn't prepared for for, for anything. I'm just, um, yeah. Everyone, it's. I, I mean, to Sean's point about that video, we saw it with the Miami Air Show video, and I think a lot of these videos, people are. I, and I may, it may sound wrong saying this, but clutching at straws, trying to find something desperately. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think any of these videos ind individually will take us anywhere. We'll get to that point no, where we can't analyze it anymore. We can't prove what it is. And it just becomes an and argument. We already have better videos to do that with. They right? need to be a lot better than those <laughs> to actually yeah. to actually get to a point where people are going to go, actually, there's something to that. Because right. those, mm. I'm sorry. And someone and I, got I got shot down for saying, I don't, I don't think there's anything to these. Someone and, made a and point looking... on Twitter, which was great, which was, you know, the more we po keep posting the videos like that, it just gives more of, of uh, you know, more straw to people who say, say basically, you know, those freaking UFO people and their blurry videos. Like, mm, what yeah. is wrong with them? You know, and you don't, you you don't, don't want that with like the detailed one. There's still going to be, I, there's a really right. cool um, subreddit that's all about movie magic. And I recommend everyone go look at it because it's incredible. Just even in like the 50s, 60s, they're, they're making kind of these, you know, landscapes out of a few paintings. And we never notice now. We look at it and we think it's a genuine landscape. So even if we came out with an HD video, you know, we'll have someone mm -hmm. building a styrofoam UFO in the garage. You're going, see, I built it in my garage. It, it, so it's not a real thing. So <laughs> we kind of need to to move the 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 bar on on what's acceptable. And I feel like the, this multi sensor uh, mm. area is is where we need to go. But there's a lot to do to educate people as to what that means because we all know, like we we've all you know sat here and poured over it. But someone looking at a FLIR video thinks that it works the same as a normal camera, and it doesn't. So there's there's a lot of education that needs to be done around here. Yeah. yeah. On that point, um, I have yeah, a question for all of you. 
um, we're cut. We are just over the hour and I'm fine for time. So if you're not, then you can answer the question first. Um, what is one thing that you came into this, you know, when you first started studying this, like legitimately, besides just thinking UFOs are cool, that you knew when you, you like you knew this when you started studying. And then now you're like, man, <laughs> I had that all wrong. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Can, can I go first? Please. Yes. I, I yes. have one right on the tip Absolutely. of my tongue. <laughs> the pyramids. I, I used to think they were built by aliens. <laughs> They're not, they're simply not, like, we have the evidence for who built them. We, we have the methods. It's really fascinating. Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> when it, they, there's a thing called, the, I think it's the dendro light bulb, where people, it's, it's yeah. kind of a, a hieroglyphs on wall, and people think that it's denoting uh, a light bulb. And it's not. It's denoting kind of the, the journey to the afterlife and the energy that kind of goes through. And I find the, the latter so much more fascinating now than I did thinking, oh, it was just aliens to build them. Yeah. Um, same with yeah. Gobekli Tepe and things like that. Ancient civilizations are fascinating and they're more fascinating than I gave them any credence for. These people were ingenious and I think they were more advanced than we think or that the mainstream thinks, but it wasn't aliens. That's just it. You're at odds with ancient aliens and everything they stand for. <laughs> <laughs> because literally everything good that has come to humanity was done or seeded by aliens. It doesn't give us enough credit, right? Like, no no wonder right. we think they don't want to visit us. We have low self-esteem issues. That's true. You said that earlier. I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Nazca Lines. In uh, in Peru, so Eric von Daniken. I mean, I, I wrote, I read Chariots of the Gods. I think when they came out in 1970 or something, and I think I had a copy in 1974, 1975. So that dates me. I was about nine year. I was nine year old in, in sorry, nine years old in 1975. So I read it, and then some years later, um, a BBC Horizon documentary came on the telly. Um, and that was back in the days when they actually didn't dumb down the, the documentaries for BBC. And uh, they had him in the desert and he was talking about all this kind of stuff. And then somebody came along with a spade and went straight in the ground. Like, you can't land anything there because it's going to dig in. And I went, <laughs> OK, yeah, fair enough. And so not, and I thought, OK, so what else aren't they telling us? What they're trying to tell us is, tr is true, which may not well be. So that's and, when uh, some of my uh, sacred cows were, were slaughtered. <laughs> Can I just piggyback off you there, Graham? Um, mm. Eric von Daniken, there, there's a group that's kind of emerging that thinks that Marvel's Eternals was informed by the government and because there was a black triangle in there <laughs> and you have all of these kind of, you know, the, the emerald tablets and so on and so forth. It was not. The writer of the How do you know? for the Eternals was a fan <laughs> of Eric von Daniken. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. all. That's all. That's so that still doesn't mean <laughs> I still think it's an awesome government movie, but... isn't a fan of him too. Uh oh, we found you know, the cult leader. Who worked, I, knew who on, <laughs> I knew somebody who worked on Eternals um, you know, as as part of the crew, um, and she never told me anything like that. So, <sighs> well, yeah. reevaluate that friendship, Graham. Yeah, <laughs> you took her to the wrong restaurant. Really <laughs> No. Yeah, I would say ETs for me. I, I didn't have the imagination to think about, you know, interdimensional or mm. ultra terrestrial or the consciousness component with the paranormality aspects. Like, I just didn't think of any of that stuff until I started getting into this. Yeah, um, I think um, my mine is really like for years seeing all of this information out there about the subject and it, the vast amount of information. And all I've just done is just come down and down and down and down now to this point where. There's very little I actually believe if I haven't got empirical, <laughs> yeah, like data or things like that. I, I've become quite skeptical in, in a good way. 
uh, about things, about claims and statements. And I think a lot of it comes from doing interviews and speaking with people um, on camera and off camera. You know, things that I wanted to believe in. I always wanted to believe that we had a, a TR3B, you know, but, you know, things like that. I've just I've just had to to go with the data yeah. and go with the the people that are maybe in the know, people who I've spoken to in aerospace and, and people like David Marler, you know, those kind of people. So I think that's all that's happened to me is I've just formed down this Y shape into this very small bubble. Wait, you saying that educating yourself is giving you a better idea of what it may or may not be? Wild, right? Well, wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think yeah, Sean has it gone. <laughs> it's uh, it goes both ways, right? Like, there's some people that really want to believe, like uh, what Graham and I were just posting on, uh, that uh, what uh, Arnold saw in '47 was. Um, a Horton a flying wing, you know, and people really, 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 really believe it until, you know, they find the evidence that Graham would very pleasantly uh, provide them with that says that it isn't, you know, and it's, it, so it goes kind of both ways for me, for me, um, you know, to push back against the opposite was I made, you know, it wasn't something that I believe was, um, you know, alien or extraterrestrial or anything, then proved it otherwise. Because I don't think it. Maybe I've been here long enough to to fall into anything like that yet. But because everything to me is open to be right or wrong, and you know, abductions, aliens, interdimensionals, anything is. Uh, maybe these things are just weird biological animals that live in our atmosphere that we can't see that are in inner spectrum. I don't freaking know, mm. and you know, but I know there's something. But um, you know, I just I used to um not believe any of this stuff you know um whether it be ghosts that make fun of ghost shows i still kind of do make fun of those sometimes did you hear that no i didn't hear that dude you know or <laughs> you know or uh you know the ufo shows like uh ancient aliens and all that stuff which i still again still make fun of a lot of that but just in general that the fact that something like this stuff could exist like was not something uh, that I would take uh, serious for, for more than a second, to be quite honest with you. Um, and just having my own world rocked by my own experience over the course of a few days that uh, just changed me completely. That um, really uh, shattered my worldview and made me think that I was wrong. There is something going on. That doesn't mean I know what it is. That doesn't mean I'll ever know what it is. But I know there's something. <laughs> yeah, you know, give you a question or uh, one question. And I was wrong. All of you. Yeah. Um, Sean's just made a real good point there that there's a moment that kind of for each of us, this thing becomes like, oh crap, this is a real thing. <laughs> when was that for each of you? I was five, dude, when I saw my first. So I've been wrestling with this for. Oh my gosh, like I'm 38 now. So it's it's definitely made me that was it because you're outside as a child and you know, yeah, my grandma was a trekkie. She was a medium. So there was a we had paranormal stuff. We had, you know, the knowledge of this stuff, but um when I saw it and nobody believed me, I realized that how lonely that the world was going to be and how everything I was learning in Bible school, Catholic school was not as it seems. And I still try to describe them as alien, the, you know, like I wanted to call them aliens. I wanted to call them angels or demons because they were scary. So it was these, these experiences that I had 
both beautiful and scary. Um, it started at five for me. So <laughs> had a long life as a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. One of us. <laughs> I suppose if we, I mean, it is really a sighting where for the individual, that's it. That's, you know, forget about convincing anybody else. If you've seen it, that, that sometimes that's enough for somebody. Uh, and so I suppose for me, I won't say too much, but I suppose. Oh, it is it? About, okay. It was probably about four months ago. Okay. Okay. Um, for me, it was when I was nine. So I that can't was... wait to learn more. Sorry. <laughs> So 1975 again, uh, when I was nine, uh, my mother bought me a book by accident. She thought I was into science fiction already. I was reading uh, Isaac Asimov books with these lovely spaceships on the cover. My mum bought me a book she thought was one of those, and it turned out to be a book on UFOs. And it did <laughs> literally blow my mind. That's awesome. You know, it was a kind of, this is real. Or at least, you know, it, somebody being nine and, and, you know, a factual book, you just soaked it up. It was like a sponge. Um, and it did, it really just like sort of took me apart. And I thought, and I just, I wanted to read as much more as I could. And I scoured the library, you know, as many books and bought, got bought, books bought for me. And that was it. I was on, on this road to where I am now. And your mom just never forgave herself, probably. Going back to the chest analogy, you make, you spend so much time on one something, you make one mistake. <laughs> yeah. Nathan? Yeah, I think for me, it's um, the moment I stopped being a cynic about human experience and started to have faith in what people were telling me. So I, I've not uh, had a, a sighting or, you know, any kind of phenomenal experience, but I've been a, a pretty big cynic of people who have had those experiences, um, not in the UFO sense, but in the spiritual sense growing up. Um, I never had one. I knew lots, lots of people who did, and I just sort of always chalked it up to you know, basically their imaginations. Um, and that made me a pretty cynical person. And I think eventually, uh, and that's the beauty of this topic for me personally, is that it's sort of re-enchanted the world. It's, it's allowed me to take people more uh, at who they are and listen to what they're telling me. And if you listen long enough to what people are saying, particularly in this community, it becomes incredibly difficult to ignore what you are hearing. And so, uh, you know, I, I think my, my sighting is actually all of you and many more who I've come across in this time, in this space, who have just convinced me that there is a, a there there. Did you just say that the real sighting is the friends that you made along the way? I think I did. I think I did. <laughs> that was beautiful, though. And, and <laughs> I, I think enchanting the world is a really great way to put, you know, what the phenomena is doing to us. If, if they are naming the project, it's project enchantment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, I never would have guessed that about you either. That's because a great I met YouTube you as you are now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Project enchantment. We should start that. The new cult name, guys. Oh, did, you <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> They're coming. Oh, did you right. hear that? Yeah. I did hear that, yeah. What was that? Were those Probably voices? my kids screaming. Oh, darn it. Sorry. No, it's not. It, was it, wasn't, it wasn't a banshee like you thought. <laughs> <I don't>. um, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> my husband probably had them out there for like an hour and was like, oh, my oh, God. <laughs> incredible. Why are what? you here? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, they if, if I was a ghost, I would mess with the Wi-Fi. I would just yeah. change the password and stuff. You know, just Monday. Yeah. Just like we're just all gone, and that's how it ends. <laughs> I'd mess with that Paw Patrol vehicle that I know is just oh. behind you on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you notice when I moved it, that corner got better. That was all like sparkly. It's still sparkling, but 
<laughs> did everybody uh, talk yeah. about what did everybody answer dan's question yeah yeah, yeah? I think so. okay <laughs> not that i wasn't listening but i was i got confused for a second i was like did we answer uh, what about dan did you answer your own question uh, I, I didn't. My, mine's a little strange because it's just for as long as I can remember. And, and mm -hmm. this is part of why. The, when I was a kid, I used to draw pictures of someone that used to come and take me on adventures at nighttime. I don't remember a lot of it, but they look like the Hopkinsville goblins in my pictures and things like that. So it goes way back for me. And, and part of me wonders if, you know, I was just contemplating life in the womb. And the second I went through that white light and saw the doctors, I was just like, whoa, there's more to this universe than I thought. And it just all went from there. Wow. Dan's like the proof of alien abduction and doesn't even know. <laughs> that's cool. That's some people don't. Uh, yeah, that's a whole another topic. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I don't talk about it. It just makes me uncomfortable to talk yeah. about because oh, no, I don't, don't have evidence for it. You know, yeah. it's just stories that my parents would tell me when I was a kid. And there was just wow. there was a lot of high strangeness, a lot of weird. Like my sister has stories of stuff that happened when we were in a room and like things mm. would just move um and and i remember them too and it's only recently when she kind of brings them up with me and i'm just like oh you remember that too that's weird then um <laughs> yeah. and it, yeah there's, there's quite cool. a lot that makes me uncomfortable about it but i'll talk about it one day maybe when i figure it out it like that's gonna be well, one so of your podcasts you're one never day. gonna <laughs> talk about it if, if you're waiting to figure it out <laughs> <laughs> you might not know, figure I mean, it out <laughs> maybe not no sometimes i think the the whole point of the phenomenon is to simply um just have us each individually uh, you know in our own ways um open our eyes a little bit you know and open our hearts to just different possibilities and maybe sometimes that's just the point you well, know, even each other, if you think about together it. In that, yeah. Because uh, I couldn't be happier um, to, to know people like yourself and be able to do shows like this. And if I had an experience, um, and, and the only reason was to, to put me in a place like this, like, it was worth it, you know. And sometimes I think that could just be, you know, if anyone's searching for a point, that in itself could be the point. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Put you in places you never thought you'd be. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. That's been this whole past year uh, meeting you guys and then going to New York last minute meeting you. So yeah, it was a uh, yeah. Meeting you guys has been amazing because this is like I feel recharged now. Um after, you know, having to do the whole like mom and moving and getting the house ready to sell adult thing. So I feel super recharged <laughs> after talking to um, like-minded people like yourself. So thank you for if that's the only thing that comes of this, then I'm I'm grateful for it. Yeah, same. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Okay, so we are. I want to ask everybody. Sorry, I don't. I, I heard something. <laughs> Go show again. <laughs> um, I thought somebody was coming in, <laughs> coming in hot. Whoa. <laughs> you hear that? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, this is where we get weird. Everybody, everybody's getting hangry. So <laughs> put on the, the band paraphernalia and <laughs> the band. <laughs> So what does everybody have coming going on next? Like, what is everybody's next thing? Like this week, next week, whenever. Um, I'm going to be on YouTube on Monday with Randall Nickerson to talk about Ariel. Uh, so looking forward to that. Nice. And Graham, do you have anything cool happening? There is a, a prequel to this coming out shortly. <gasps> what? Oh, man. <laughs> so, I better get my second um, round reading it done. <laughs> yeah, but in the meantime, if you'd like Lulux. to go and, and buy this, then I'm, I'm happy for you to do so. so yeah, flying flying <laughs> saucer fever is, is still is still on the go. Um, hopefully, 
Yeah, you you might consider it as a, as, a, as a book of the month, but I'm, I'm not uh, sort of, you know, trying to influence the vote. <laughs> yeah, it sure doesn't seem like it. Nope, <laughs> yeah, not at all. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Have you noticed the feed, the fever catching on and all? Or are yeah, people getting it? Yeah, are they, people are, what kind people of are symptoms happy. are they reporting? Mm. Yeah, people are happy with it. They're all like dancing and jiving in the aisles and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> jiving in the aisles. Saturday night flying saucer. That's fever. the one, yeah. yeah, yeah. All, and then they all come down with spots the following morning. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all shaped like triangles. That's um, the one. It's making me rethink. You've, uh, you've read it already, guys. Sean. That <laughs> <laughs> thing I just said about being happy to know you. <laughs> would, would it help if I told you I had a present for you, Nathan? Uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, cool. There you go. You have absolutely. To. Yes. <laughs> Interest. But of course, that's coming up, isn't it? We're going to meet Nathan. That's right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. See, so tomorrow we're doing a chat with Chris Lado about UAP Society. Uh, cool. So excited to kind of learn more about what they're doing. Of course, I'm involved with that too, uh, just for, as an investor, I guess. Um, and then after that, yeah, I'll be in the UK. So I'll be in the UK for a couple of weeks. Going to see you guys, uh, some of you. Mm. Looking forward to that. Uh, and then when I get back, we've got, I think we've got uh, Chase Kletsky and Gary Nolan. Those are the next two oh, wow. show interviews. And I guess, Priscilla, you'll be on with some of the folks. Well, Yeah, there, so. yeah. That's next week, I think. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, the 18th, I want to say. Not this mm -hmm. Saturday, but next. The, the Saturday that's coming. Sorry, I always mess that up. But <laughs> Yeah. I think it's a what we're calling a fireside chat, which is yeah. basically just like a hangout, which I really like that mm -hmm. idea with certain people. It's not an interview. It's just kind of talking about stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And book club always turns into this. It always turns into like we do like a half hour of seriousness and then everybody's ADHD kicks in. And then <laughs> here we are. <laughs> oh, yeah. What about you, Love Sean? It. What do you have going on? Uh, just, you know, I'm always just so last second with everything. Um, <laughs> like... Just had a couple of pretty good interviews this week. One with Stephen Bassett. That went two hours. And I think I asked like one question the whole time. <laughs> um, Sounds then, like Grant Cameron. Uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, I had uh, one with a guy named uh, Ryan who has a, a little thing called Space Wolf Research right outside of Skinwalker Ranch. That, that was pretty, pretty oh, cool to know there's other things going on there. And I talked to Danny Silva and got kind of the rundown on, you know, what was happening when the That's Wilson great. Davis notes were first, thanks, when, the, when those were first discovered and all that and how that played out. So that was cool. Um, and on Tuesday, I have, um, uh, I'm bringing on Robert Coford, who's been on a couple of times before. He's a, he's a friend and, and he's always uh, in the chat and very supportive and he's a, a researcher himself and um, you know, I've leaned on him from time to time in, in some of the documents I've found in, in my own research. So it'll be nice to bring him on and touch base with him. Um, and after that, I'll probably have Jay on on Wednesday again and we'll uh, shoot the shit right. and talk about whatever <laughs> latest uh, news is going on. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe doing a reenactment or two. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Um, I like that. And the, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> that's it. And then Sorry, we'll see. I just picture you guys yeah. with like puppets of like in your likeness for some reason. Just... I think of like Civil War reenactments, like muskets. <laughs> <laughs> could... That'd be a good idea. A Civil War UFO reenactment. I think it'd be amazing. We, we should do go some dramas. Yeah, we should go to Roswell and do that. Like we'll all take different roles yeah. and we'll just <laughs> play out and see. Uh, yeah. Uh... It's not even UFO. We're just role-playing Civil War stuff. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan, Vinny, and I are actually meeting up at the end of the month, aren't we? And that's when we'll see oh. Nathan. 
Yeah, um, that's gonna be right. awesome. Well, so, so, so Vinny, do you want to, or Dan, do you want to mention one yeah, of those? Yeah, so and end of the month, you'll be able to kind of come meet us at Awakening uh, in the UK. Uh, pretty cool convention. They, they've been nice enough to give us a little space. So a few of us from UAP Media will be there. Um, Nathan will also be there. Um, and that's where we're going to get to meet him, which is very exciting. Cool. Prepare yourself. I'm, I was born Why, are you like six foot seven or something? No. I was not prepared to meet Just... James Iandoli because I did not realize he was seven a mountain. That's why person. he's the Hulk in our Avengers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but I'm four three. <laughs> I might actually, I'm like five feet nothing, so everybody was surprised by that. I was like, I, I was wasn't short. I think I warned most people because it scares people. They're like, you're only five feet tall. It scares people. That's yeah, great. I thought James was going to step on me a few times. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Do you have any more uh, podcasts coming out? So, I mean, I'm I'm chasing a bunch of different guys for coloring outside awesome. the lines um, at the moment. But this week and the week after that is probably going to be an art week for reasons that I I'll can't be talk killed about. by someone here if I could say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you know, it'll, you'll see it soon um hopefully by the time we get to awakening i'll be able to share that uh we, we've also got an interview coming up with travis taylor that was real interesting um yeah. and it was funny you mentioned adhd just a second ago priscilla the first clip that i cut from it and put up was travis talking about how uh adhd medication seems to open people up to the phenomena and oh, this wow. seems to be a, a correlation <laughs> between kind of suppressing brain activity and having experiences which makes me think of you know meditation flow states all these right, other things right. um i thought that was really potent which is why i picture the clip but i recommend everyone tune yeah. in on on friday Wait, um it, is it helps or hurts <clears throat> basically lower lower brain activity so if you're depending on you, you know what medication you're given if you take adhd it will ramp up or down um depending on how intense that condition is yeah real interesting right yeah that script mm -hmm. Very interesting, guys. So, thank you to everybody. DJ just showed up. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat. Hey, Davey, love everybody. Kind of get it. Amen. Yeah, says it in there. <laughs> I feel like he just needs to come on at the end of book club and uh, exit everybody with his great announcement. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, yeah, uh, this. This Wednesday, I have the uh, Mark Seifer coming on. He's an author that writes about Nikola Tesla. He was on with Travis Taylor, actually, The Tesla Files, cool. I think like five episodes. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to kind of talk to him because uh, I not it's not going to I mean, we know Tesla and the UFO stuff happened um, that he talked about. But um, just the whole Nikola Tesla in general is just very interesting and a lot of things that happened around him. So I'm excited for that. Um, thank you, everybody for coming again and um thank you to everybody here live and listening later and especially on anomalous podcast network if you're just listening to audio and yeah give us a like and subscribe everybody's information is in the description and enjoy the rest of your weekend oh wait Fine. don't enjoy it <laughs> um next month it's going to be a laid-back format we're just going to talk about like our favorite books and stuff so Nice. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Now have a nice weekend. <laughs> <laughs>